Philly, you are so wonderful and interesting. You deserve a local news podcast all your own. Check out the John Cast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. It was 40 years ago that the first NCAA women's basketball tournament was held. Now, there had been championship tournaments prior to that, but they were under the Association for Intercollegiate Athletics for Women, or AIAW, umbrella. Now, in that first NCAA tournament, did you know that a Philadelphia-area school made it to the final? Wasn't a Big Five squad or Drexel. It was Cheney University, then Cheney State College. The Wolves were a dominant force, coached by a legend in C. Vivian Stringer. They became the only HBCU to this day to ever make it to the title game, where they lost to a great Louisiana Tech squad, 76-62. The Cheney story is a special one, but until recently, it had kind of been lost to history. But now there is a strong push on this 40th anniversary to give that team the credit it deserves and make Make sure everyone knows about a special accomplishment. One of the people leading the charge on that push is Kyle Adams. He is a Cheney alum and a former head women's basketball coach at Cheney. I caught up with him to look back on a magnificent story. So to start, this is really a passionate story that means a lot to you. Uh, you coached at Cheney at one time. You're a Cheney alum. What's it mean to be doing the work to elevate what is a story that not just sports fans, but people need to know more about? Well, I, I think one thing that's, that's really interesting, Matt, is that as a child, as a nine-year-old child, my grandmother, Mildred Vaughn, who was a Cheney alum, I remember that game being on at her home with her sorority sisters in the house and, you know, my my parents there and us watching that game. I, don't, I didn't know the relevance. I knew that that was my grandmother's school playing. And then to, to, to fast forward and get to Cheney in 92 for women's basketball to, to be, uh, women's basketball was struggling when I got to Cheney in 1982. I'm sorry, in 1992. But to, to start to learn about this history and tradition and what they accomplished, um, and then to have an opportunity to come back and coach there, uh, it really gave me a strong responsibility and wanting to lift the program back up um, and make those women proud, you know, and then doing a lot of research when I was coaching there uh, and reaching out to, to different schools that they played. I reached out to Tennessee. I reached out to Louisiana Tech. Uh, I reached out to the NCAA and asked them to send me, please send me any memorabilia, any film that you have. And really starting to, to peel back and learn more about what those women accomplished. Um, and, and, and recognizing that coach that that wasn't just that wasn't just a one year thing. Right. Coach Stringer's teams were strong in the late 70s in the AIAW. In 1981, they had a quarterfinal finish in the AIAW tournament. Um, so when you talk to those women, they talk about 82 being a coalition of, of all these strong teams that Coach Stringer had there. And then I think it, it also adds a great deal of, of strength to, to who C. Vivian Stringer was and is in that after she left, they go back to a Final Four in 84 with Winthrop McGriff. Um, I just think it's an amazing story that, that needs to be elevated on so many different levels. 
So they were Cheney State at the time. Cheney State College, correct. So specifically with this 82, this is the first NCAA women's basketball tournament. You referenced the AIAW. That was the precursor uh, for people that are listening from the Philadelphia area, the success that Immaculata had in the 70s. That was in the AIAW tournament. But this is the first, 82 is the first NCAA, and you still had the AIAW. So the field's kind of kind of split. You still had some teams that went to the AIAW, and Cheney took part in the NCAA. Am I correct on all that? That's correct. That's correct. So this 82 team, well, let's let before we talk about the 82 team, we were talking about this beforehand. See Vivian Stringer, legend, Hall of Famer. You know, if you're talking greatest coaches in college basketball history, she's, you know, in the first sentence of the discussion. I think a lot of people probably are most familiar from her days at Rutgers in in our area, but she's coaching at Cheney and redoing some research, reading that great SI article. She actually was basically volunteering as a coach. Am I correct? That's correct. At the, at the time in, the, in the, uh, uh, the Pennsylvania state higher education, people who coached at state institutions were professors. So her coach Stringer and coach Cheney were professors in the, uh, in the recreation department at Cheney. So she often talks about how she wasn't paid a dime to coach women's basketball. You know, Coach Stringer actually coached volleyball, women's basketball, and she taught swimming at Cheney. And you mentioned Coach Cheney. That's John Cheney, who legend, Hall of Famer, everything you that I said about C. Vivian Stringer. Obviously, a lot of people know him from Temple. So on this campus, you have Vivian Stringer. And John Cheney coaching basketball, that is remarkable. And you you were telling me beforehand, tell me how, talk about how these two Hall of Famers practiced when they were coaching at Cheney. So one of the things that's really unique, and you if you look at the college, the women's basketball, the women's college basketball landscape today, you have that male practice players, right? In the 70s and 80s, Coach Cheney departed Cheney in 82. Uh, Coach Stringer left in 80, 83. During their tenure there together, the men's and women's teams practiced together. You know, it, it was not uncommon for Coach Cheney to instruct the women and Coach Stringer to instruct the men. They basically raised those basketball programs as a family. On our podcast, some of the ladies talk about of uh, being snowed in on Cheney's campus and Coach Cheney cooking for both teams. They they had a motto they called Team Together. And that was based around that family environment of those two programs operating together. The men ran the same plays that the women did. It, it wouldn't be uncommon for them, for Coach Cheney to go recruiting with Coach Stringer. You know, I just think it's it's a really unique story uh, when you, especially when you talk about, there are so many things that look to try to separate men and women today. And this narrative around men not being interested in women's athletics. Uh, I think it's it's really important to talk about uh, just how invested Coach Cheney was in Coach Stringer and vice versa. I think you also see that with Coach Cheney and the influence and impact that he had uh, with Dawn Staley during his time at Temple, 
Uh, Coach Cheney was a huge uh, advocate for uh, women's coaches in the women's game. So this 82 team, uh, talk to me a little bit about some of the the players that led to this success. So I, I, you know, you start with Valerie Walker out of Piscataway, New Jersey. Small Fort, unbelievable shooter, uh, shooting with at range before a three point line. Val Walker was an eight, a 1981 and 82 member of the Kodak All American team. The first from an HBCU. Then you also have Yolanda Laney, Kodak All-American, product of University City High School in Philadelphia, uh, played for Lurleen Jones, uh, outstanding uh, coach at University City. Yolanda was a sophomore on that 82 team. Uh, as, as many know, her daughter, Banaja Laney, also played for Coach Stringer at Rutgers and is a member of the, uh, the New York Liberty of the WNBA. Uh, you had Deborah Walker, who was a uh, an outstanding athlete and leaper uh, out of Detroit, Michigan. Um, you know, I, I think it's really important to mention that Coach Stringer was able to attract players from all over the country, and these were were women who who were looking for opportunities to play for a, a black woman coach, and the only other black woman coach of of, of relevance, so to speak, at the time was Marion Washington, who was the head coach at Kansas. So a lot of these women who were from the East Coast, who maybe didn't want to go out that far, um, Coach Stringer was able to attract them to Cheney and build something, you know, build a powerhouse basketball program. So this 82 team, they go into the the tournament and you look at the the run they put together. I mean, First of all, by the time they get to the championship game, they'd won 23 in a row. And their their tournament run, I mean, they beat Auburn. Then they beat North Carolina State. Then they beat Kansas State. Then they beat Maryland. I mean, you're talking college basketball programs that everybody, everybody knows. And then they play Louisiana Tech, who's not as much of a factor these days. But Louisiana Tech was about as big as it got in the, the early eighties. Um, they were probably on a level of, of a Tennessee and a, and a Yukon. That That's correct. Was they were, they were the defending AIAW champ. The other thing, so you talk about the 23 game win streak um, and you talk about the teams that they defeated on that run, uh, a, a SEC team, ACC team, a big, that was the big eight at the time, a big eight team. Uh, and then, they had beaten, that was the third time that season they beat Maryland. But I think another thing that's that's really important, and it adds so much more to what they were able to accomplish. Coach Stringer was dealing with, throughout that season, she was dealing with her daughter had contracted spinal meningitis. So she was back and forth to the hospital during that run. You know, they the ladies have talked about you know, leaving campus with the assistant coaches and having to swing by Children's Hospital to pick up Coach Stringer to go on road trips. So I think when you when you look at the fullness of, of, of all that was going on through that season and what this tiny little tuition-driven HBCU was able to do against, you know, really the, the powerhouse, the blue bloods, as they would say, uh, of, of women's college basketball, I think it's, it's, an, it's unbelievable. 
We will continue our conversation with Kyle Adams right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. And we are back on KYW News Radio in depth, continuing our conversation about the Cheney University women's basketball team that appeared in the first ever NCAA women's basketball tournament final. Our guest is Cheney alum and a former Cheney women's basketball coach, Kyle Adams. I was reading, there was a great article, and I recommend it to everyone. I recommend they check out your podcast series. SI Sports Illustrated did a great long form article looking back at this. I mean, to kind of put in perspective, these were kids that were washing their own uniforms. You know, I mean, you mentioned they get snowed in. Coach Cheney's co- cooking for everyone. I mean, this is this this is pr- relatively bare bones. We talked about the coaches not, get, you know, basically getting paid to teach, but the coaching was just kind of a bonus thing. That makes it even more remarkable. No, 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 no question. Um, and I think what it what it speaks to is, although they didn't have those things, you know, they, and they didn't have the some of the amenities that a lot of the amenities that their competitors had, what they recognized and valued was the human resource that they had on that campus and Coach Cheney and Coach Stringer, but so many other people. You know, the ladies referenced a great deal. Uh, our president at the time was Dr. Wade Wilson. And Dr. Wade Wilson was uh, was a huge proponent for athletics. You know, he was someone who was an alum of the university, a former student athlete uh, at Cheney, who was very passionate in his advocacy in Harrisburg uh, for Cheney. And I don't know that we've had the likes of 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 Dr. Wilson in in the leadership capacity at our university since. But they talk about just those different people on that campus. Um, who were integral in, in their growth and development and helping them to persist. They, they saw the value in the institution and in those people. How was this run, as much as you can tell from your research and talking to people, what kind of coverage did this get in the, the media ecosystem at the time? Well, you know, you have, you have people like Mel Greenberg, who's still a huge journalist for women's basketball. Mel, I have a lot of articles that uh, that Mel was writing about during the time. Uh, I know that the Delaware County papers, you know, provided a great media coverage. The game itself, uh, I have a copy of it and you can, and I'll share it with you so you can share it with your audience. The game itself is on, was, was, was on CBS. You have the media platforms in the South that were kind of running it but not to the extent of the media covers that we have today. You know, you have to take in consideration, Matt, this was 10 years removed from, you know, Title IX being established. So, you know, women's sports were not held to the same standard uh, that they are today. And, uh, you know, we can, we can also discuss how we still have some ways to go with women's sports. Uh, but it, it, held, it, it had a level of media coverage uh, but not to the extent of what we have today. So they get to the final, lose to Louisiana Tech. Um, looks like Louisiana, they actually got out early on them, but eventually Louisiana Tech just yes. had a little they too much. They down, and, yeah, with their size, yes, yes. And uh, a, But a great thing, they get back, and there, there's a huge throng of Cheney students and people from the community waiting for them, right? Yeah, that's correct. The ladies talk about, you know, pulling on campus, 
uh, around one or two in the morning. And the the whole campus community is is waiting for them uh, in front of Truth Hall. We had a building that's no longer there on campus called the Body Shop is where we had uh, our social gatherings, our, our parties. Um, and the ladies talk about, you know, once they got off the bus, how they went and had a, a huge party um, celebrating their run in, in the body shop. You know, and at that time, uh, our student body was somewhere between two and 3,000 students. And they felt, and the ladies talk about how they felt like every person on campus out there waiting for them when they pulled up. And I think you mentioned they go back to the Final Four in 84. That's correct. That's correct. Coach Stringer. So I, I, I think it's really interesting to mention that in 83, uh, they're the number one seed in the East heading into the NCAA tournament. And the NCAA forced them to travel to Penn State to play as a one seed. They play Penn State. Uh, there's a, a, a controversial no call at the end of the game. Deborah Walker, Yolanda Laney uh, holds for the last shot. They're down one. Yolanda takes a shot. Deb rebounds the shot and goes up three times and is fouled. The ladies talk about hearing the fouls call. The buzzer sounds, no fouls call. The officials sprint off the court. Coach Stringer is chasing the officials off the floor crying. And this would be Coach Stringer's last game at Cheney. Winthrop McGriff, uh, who was a, an, a, a coach at the University of District Columbia, but who was heavily involved with the recruitment of Valerie Walker in helping her get to Cheney, you know, four years prior, he became the coach. And you had six remaining players uh, from that 82 team including Yolanda Laney, you had Karen Drawn, you had Paulette Bigelow, and they had a transfer from Mount St. Mary, a woman named Margaret Diaz. And Coach McGriff led those women to another Final Four, uh, which I think speaks to just the genius, the impact and influence of Coach Stringer. They would go on and lose to Tennessee uh, in the Final Four. USC would win that uh, with Cheryl Miller. Uh, would win the NCAA championship that year. Um, but I just think that, you know, for them to lose Coach Stringer and then have wherewithal and the audacity to, to, to push themselves back to another Final Four is just historic. And this is an incredible story from a local standpoint that I don't, you know, hasn't gotten enough spotlight in the Philadelphia media ecosystem because it's interesting I think even casual basketball fans are familiar with what Immaculata did in the 70s, but this is this is on that level. But it's also only HBCU to get to the Final Four, men's or women's? So it's only HBCU, men or women, at the Division One level to reach the Final Four. Not one, but two. It's also the first all-women's coaching staff and all black women coaching staff to make it to a final four or a championship game. They're the only HBCU to have representatives on a Kodak All-American team. You know, the only HBCU men or women to be ranked in the top, the top 10 or the top five. Cheney has been ranked as, as high as number two in the national rankings. Um, I just, there are a lot of first and onlys with this group. And I don't know if you knew, Matt, we 
you know, with this being the 40th anniversary, it was very important for us to honor uh, the, those women and their team this year. Um, we were able to bring the, the, the ladies back on campus at Cheney in Cope Hall. Uh, coach Stringer was in, was in attendance. Coach, her assistant coach, Bunny Schaefer, was in attendance. And we really got an opportunity to celebrate this historic journey of what these women have accomplished. You know, I've coached women's basketball for for some time now. And to go to the Final Four and to wear Cheney on my chest and have people, you know, the elder statesmen in, 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 in the women's college basketball landscape, like their eyes get big. I remember Gary stopping me. Uh, he saw Cheney on my chest. Gary Blair was the head coach at Texas A&M was an assistant at Louisiana Tech during that national championship game. And Gary Blair went hysterical in the, in the, in the host health hotel lobby. Is that Cheney State? You got to bring it back. Cheney State, that was my scout. Like, people know, and people who are still in the game know what these women did. Uh, Kim Mulkey, who's the coach at LSU in the, in the Naismith Hall of Fame, longtime coach at Baylor, was the point guard on that Louisiana Tech team. There's just so many people in and around the game who can speak to what Cheney State did and, and, and what Coach Stringer's teams represented. And I think this is incredibly important elevating this story because Cheney has had its difficulties. Its athletic department has had its difficulties. Uh, if I'm correct, during the, the last couple of years during the pandemic, they weren't able to field women's basketball for multiple reasons. I think there is hope that that will be coming back uh that's correct that's correct but i mean we can't let story a story like this get lost to history and so i applaud the work that you've done but this is really people need to dig into this because it's just it's so wonderful on so many levels no i i agree matt i you know i looked at i watch a lot of documentaries i read a great deal and i see different stories um, that are worthy of, of documentaries and, and of movies. I, I can't imagine another story um, that has so many different meaningful themes, you know, and watching over the last year, you know, there was a, a documentary that was done on Lucia Harris, who, who was a three-time uh, champion women's basketball player at Delta State in, in the 70s. And she had passed away. Um, and a lot of my thought process was around, this is the 40th anniversary. If, if not now, when, because, you know, people are, are getting older and, you know, it's been really important to me and a lot of the other people who are working to help bring this to fruition, to see that these women get their flowers while they can, while they can smell them. Um, you know, they the women went this year to the final four. We were able to get have the Sixers honor them this year, uh, bring them down to the floor. They celebrated the ladies, had them in a box uh, and, and, and really, you know, paid respect to the ladies, had them come down to the floor in front of the building. Um, it was really nice. man. Um, but really just wanting, you know, to elevate, amplify the story to, to, to whoever um, there's so as Deb Walker talks about for those little lady wolves that are out there who need to know this story. Um, so, you know, we're 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 working feverishly to try to get uh, to get someone interested in, in, in a documentary 
um, a movie. We've been working on a script. It's just, we think it's an amazing story um, that touches so many different uh, themes. You know, it's a, it's a woman's story. It's a, it's a African-American story. It's a leadership story. You know, it's a little engine that could story. There are so many different narratives um, that you can pull from this story that we think is valuable. Um, and, and we want to share, we want to see these women uh, get their flowers while they can still smell. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.